Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hi there, I'm Carla Nappi, and this is the New Books in East Asian Studies podcast. Welcome to the channel, and thanks very much for joining me. I just finished talking with Anthony Rausch about two of his recent books. One is Japan's Local Newspapers, Chihoshi and Revitalization Journalism, and this came out with Rutledge in 2012, and the other is Japanese Journalism and the Japanese Newspaper, a Supplemental Reader. This came out with Teneo Press in 2014. Now, Anthony was generous enough to navigate the time difference between Vancouver and Japan, and I am super grateful to him for doing that. That's not an easy time difference to manage. So what we talked about, as you'll hear in the next hour, is a whole suite of ideas and themes and concepts around the general uh, phenomenon and the general topic of newspapers, journalism, and in particular, the importance of local newspapers in Japan today. So in these two books, what he does is he takes us through um, not just a case study or or really a series of case studies for understanding um, the histories of journalism in Japan, the contemporary practices and functions of journalism in Japan, and also the particular instantiation of um, these histories and these themes and these functions in local newspapers specifically in Japan. But he also is making a contribution, and and these books are very much intended to do that, not just to how we understand Japan, but also more broadly to how we understand, mobilize, and use local newspaper sources to write histories, write sociologies, write studies of place more generally. So these are books that are intended to contribute not only, again, to how we think about and practice work on Japan, but really how we think about and practice work that's more attentive to local um, variations, local cultures, local sources, and really the very different textures of stories about life, um, daily life, extended life, histories that these local sources can provide. So with that, I will leave you to it. Um, There are two really interesting books um, that are very, um, very attentive, again, to these larger themes and to the importance of these larger themes. So thank you for being with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks as ever for your support of the channel by listening. And I hope you enjoy. I'm here today to talk with Anthony Rausch about two of his recent books, Japan's Local Newspapers and Japanese Journalism and the Japanese Newspaper, A Supplemental Reader. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to New Books in East Asian Studies, Anthony. And thanks so much for your generosity in making time to talk with me today. I'm really looking forward. Well, I appreciate that. I uh, appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about the books, um, especially given the time difference. I appreciate your flexibility. <laughs> That's right. We're talking Vancouver, Japan right now for listeners. Mm. It's all very mm. exciting and globetrotting. Mm. So, Anthony, mm. let's start, as is traditional um, for the channel, with the big general question. Mm. What brought you to the study of Japan and why modern Japan specifically? Well, 
I was actually a high school teacher, high school social studies teacher in Minnesota, and there was redistricting, and I was going to have to move, and I didn't want to do that. And someone said, there's a job at an English conversation school in rural Japan, if you're interested. And I had a passport, uh, and I decided to take that opportunity. Uh, arrived in Japan, actually the first time in 1986, but this time in 1990. Um, spent a year and a half working at this conversation school, English conversation school. Um, of course, the English conversation business has always been booming in Japan. Um, decided I liked it, uh, looked for opportunities to improve upon what I was doing, decided to go to graduate school, um, got my master's degree in Japan in sociology, and um, that put me on track for a university position, which I was able to secure. Um, decided to continue, of course, academics, uh, went to uh, Australia and got the PhD at Monash, um, actually with Ross Maurer, um, a very, very famous Japanologist, and um, came back, uh, of course, and am now at a national university. So it's not something I really set out to do. It's something I sort of fell into. But having fallen into it, um, being up here in rural Japan, I'm actually in Aomori Prefecture, which is the northernmost prefecture on Honshu. Um, and it's a very rural area. There hasn't been much research done up here. Um, so I can pick up virtually any theme and sort of make the local case for it. So it's it's been incredibly rewarding. So that, that's kind of how I fell into it more than anything else. Wow. So the books that we're talking about today, and we're mm. talking about two of them, are both mm. about Japanese newspapers. Uh, and one of them in particular focuses specifically on local newspapers. Mm. So how did you come to this general topic, Anthony? Kind of what brought you to this um, suite of projects and, and why this interest in newspapers specifically? Well, as I said, I, I did my master's degree um, in uh, a university, actually in Aomori Prefecture, Hirosaki University, the university I'm at right now, um, uh, in sociology. And um, I really had not studied Japanese uh, prior to coming to Japan. And as I said, I worked in the English conversation business, which didn't do much for my Japanese. Um, so my advisor um, said that he wanted me to take one year as a research student, say in Japanese. And he said, you just need to improve your Japanese and you also need to improve your understanding of what's going on in Japan. And I took that um, as an opportunity to really discover that everything I needed to know about my local area, I realized I really did not know anything. So I took that year uh, and I just started reading my local newspaper every single day. Um, and I would go through it and I would clip out articles. And of course, I would go through and uh, you're probably familiar with this. I think you're a Chinese uh, researcher. So you're familiar with the kanji um, and how difficult that can be. So I would spend hours working through these articles. Um, and I started sort of categorizing them and had piles all over the house and, and the office I was using. And eventually my wife said, clean this mess up. <laughs> And as I was cleaning it up, I sort of realized maybe halfway through that I had this incredible um, archive of you know, local issues. Um, for me, of course, it was functional in that it was helping me learn Japanese, but it was also really teaching me about my local area. And I realized that I had an opportunity to put down in book form sort of the story of one year in Aomori Prefecture. And then I actually did publish a book. It's called A Year with a Local Newspaper, Understanding 
the Times in Aomori, Japan, 1999, published in, in 2001. Um, and from there, I sort of realized that um, virtually any sort of socio-anthropological theme that I could pick up in my local area, one of the best ways to sort of enter into that would be the local newspaper and find out you know, what was being done, what was being published, what was the message going out. Um, from that initial book project, um, and then having completed my master's degree, I've used my local newspaper to study newspaper and education. Uh, I'm in a faculty of education now, so that was relevant to um, my faculty duties. Um, volunteerism, identity creation, virtually any topic that sort of strikes me as interesting, the first place I look is the database for my local newspaper. Um, and it gives me what's going on locally. Um, I, I don't want to carry on too long, but right now, of course, TPP is a, a, a very controversial issue. And I read, of course, what the, the major newspapers in Japan are writing about. And of course, I do a lot of reading about TPP. Uh, everyone knows TPP. I assume it's Trans-Pacific Trans Trade Partnership. Uh, maybe everyone doesn't know that. So ah. yes, it's helpful maybe if you say a little bit about TPP. Okay. TPP is a, uh, it hasn't been ratified by most of the uh, nation-state uh, legislatures yet, but it has been negotiated by the trade negotiators of, I don't really know how many countries there are, I think there's 16 involved, um, surrounding the, the Pacific Basin. So that would be Canada, America, Japan. China is out. Korea, I believe, is out. Um, Vietnam, uh, Malaysia, the Philippines, Australia, so on and so on. Um, and it's basically a mega trade agreement, um, which is very, very controversial um, if you look at the details. Um, so I hope that that uh, suffices in, in terms of an explanation. But what you find, of course, is that the major newspapers in Japan, uh, particularly the right wing, the Daily Yomiuri, um, are pro-TPP. The Asahi, which is more left-leaning, is anti. Um, but if you look then at what comes out in my local newspaper, you get a totally different viewpoint, the local viewpoint. Um, and you get into sort of local politics and how the politicians locally look at it, how the farmers look at it, uh, how, for example, the city government, the municipal governments look at it. And it's really an interesting sort of third view, if you will. Um, so that, that sort of describes then my initial interest and why that interest has turned into sort of a lifelong project, if you will. Mm -hmm. And this actually really nicely leads us into um, really the character of the first book that we're going to talk about. We'll talk about Japan's local newspapers. Now, you talk at the beginning of this book about some of the motivations that brought you to the project. Um, you talk about something that you've actually just alluded to. This is why I think it's a nice segue. Uh, an effort. <laughs> uh, so thank you for that. Mm. Make my job easier. Yeah. Um, an effort to Glad I could help. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you talk about an effort to emphasize the importance of local newspapers in Japan, right? We'll talk a lot more about this. In particular, their ability to give us a sense of place. You also talk about um, kind of being motivated by a shift in the place and the purpose of the newspaper in the face of transformations of modern media. And we'll get to some of that as well. 
And here's where I kind of want to maybe start digging in. You also talk about, as one of your motivations, an effort to bring out the specific character of the Japanese newspaper industry as opposed to the newspaper industries elsewhere. So one of the things that comes up throughout the book as a particularly important aspect of this newspaper industry that um, uh, listeners and readers uh, without expertise in modern Japan might not know is that the Japanese newspaper industry is dominated by five big national newspapers. And so you've already mentioned two of them, the Yomiuri Shinbun, the Asahi Shinbun, and there are three others. So this is probably a good place to start. Um, Hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that for you? What's important about the fact that there is this kind of domination in the Japanese newspaper industry by these big, um, you know, a handful of big national newspapers? How what's important for us to know um, about the consequences and and the significance of that for the larger goals that you are hoping to accomplish with the book? Yeah, um yeah. I didn't do a lot of journalism, say, for example, in America, but I do know that the trend in America has been um, consolidation, uh, major, you know, media empires. Um, You're losing uh, a lot of the smaller players. Um, Japan, to a degree, has always been that way. Um, You have the big five. The Yomiuri newspaper um, is one of the uh, is one part of one of the major business conglomerates um, in Japan. I mean, they own a baseball team. Um, The Asahi of course, uh, is associated with uh, television networking. Um, They have product lines and things like that. Um, The other newspapers, these are major, major industries. Um, So they... they really do set the tone. Um, if you think about framing or agenda setting, whatever terminology you want to use, these five pretty much do set the frame for any issue in Japan. As I said, there is sort of a, a right-left uh, dichotomy going on there. Um, the the With all things in Japan, I mean, there's one level, and then you sort of pull back that level, and there's another level below it. Um, Having said that these five newspapers sort of set the frame, once you pull that back a little bit, um, most of the uh, seminal books on Japanese journalism and media in Japan, um, print media in Japan, particularly uh, Lori Ann Freeman's book, Closing the Shop, is about what's called the Kisha Club, which is the press club. And what she describes and others have described is that um, the these big five newspapers have a very cozy relationship with the government. Um, and what other people have written about the characteristics of Asian media in general is that social harmony is more of an objective than, say, confrontational watchdog uh, type of relationship. So most of the descriptions of Japanese media have been this press club stenography type of media uh, uh, journalism. Um, so once you get past those big five, which are basically uh, going to the press clubs, preserving their seat at the table by not you know, making waves, once you get below the radar and you get to these local newspapers, you get a whole different view. Um, one of the things that I close the second book that we talk about, we're going to talk about in a minute, the, the, the closing argument there, um, and this is a little bit dangerous for me to say, Abe, the, the current prime minister, uh, pushed through a state's secret act, um, which really handcuffs the local media, the government, or the local media, excuse me, the, the journalism community. Um, it uh, basically allows the government 
to determine what constitutes a state secret. And journalists can be prosecuted for reporting on things that conceivably they don't even know are state secrets. A lot of this came out of the 311 uh, disaster um, with the, the nuclear facilities melt downs um, and how journalists were attempting to report on that. Of course, the government didn't want it reported. Um, So you've got this mega argument of these major corporations hand in hand with the government sort of framing things the way that they want to be framed. But below that, then you've got the local media. And that's the very, very important uh, dynamic that I see. Now, one of the assertions of the book, and this is the first book um, that we're talking about, Japan's local newspapers, is that local newspapers in Japan really haven't been taken up and studied in any systematic way. And yet the book shows that they're actually really important and really significant um, in terms of how we understand the media landscape and the newspaper landscape specifically in Japan. Um, Why? Can you talk about that? Why is that? Um, Why have they not been taken up? And why is it important um, that we integrate this into the conversation in, in a substantive way. Well, um, they are important, of course. I mean, any newspaper, a local newspaper, is important in um, the way it creates its own readership, um, how it uses local news, as well as how it uses national and international news to create that local readership. Um, there's a quote in one of the books somewhere um, that uh, we often assume that newspapers and journalism, the, the objective is to create news, and that's not really the case. The objective is to create readers um, and identify readers and, and, and get readers. Um, and, of course, local newspapers do that uh, a variety of different ways with hard news and the way that they will frame the hard news and make it meaningful or relevant to local cases. And then also through soft news. Um, so they certainly are important. One of the things that also impressed me um, was simply the number. Um, we have 47 prefectures, if you want to uh, recast that as states. We have 47 states in Japan. We have somewhere around 200 to 250 uh, local newspapers. So any particular prefecture is going to have, in some cases, one to two what could be called state-level newspapers. Then below that, another one or two uh, local newspapers. So simply in terms of numbers, uh, the local newspaper is is very, very important. Um, your question was, why do I see them as being so important? It was, is that correct? Yeah. And also, like, kind of why have they been so... Uh, huh. why, why haven't they been studied more? I mean, why yeah. is this such a lacuna in the literature? Well, you know, I don't really um, have an explanation for that uh, other than to say, I mean... <laughs> Japan has always been viewed, um, first of all, as Tokyo-centric. I mean, people get to Tokyo and they say, I'm in Japan. Um, and that is nowhere near the truth. I mean, there's a lot of Japan beyond Tokyo. Also, um, Japan has its, um, what do I want to say, the, the, the safe issues you can go back to and sort of re-plow that field again. I mean, the business conglomerates, the traditional culture, uh, the religion and whatnot. So a lot of people, a lot of researchers, Japanese just go back to those areas again. Um, when they get into the field and they get into rural Japan, I think we tend to um, look to the, the human informant or participatory observation, that kind of stuff is being very important. And it is, of course. Um, but as I said, one of, one of the things that I needed early on in my Japanese experience was a very, very stable, very, very dependable source. And one also 
that um, uh, could show uh, trends over time and make them very, very accessible. That's the importance of the local newspaper. Um, I just, I, I just don't think that a lot of uh, foreign researchers um, avail themselves of those resources. Um, one thing, of course, is that there's a big difference um, in Japanese studies between those that get grant money overseas and come to Japan for three months versus those of us that have lived here for 25 years. Um, I've been reading my local newspaper for 25 years. Um, that's a very different view. Now, having said that, I do want to make note of the fact that I'm not the only one with this idea. I have in my hand a, a book titled Nihon no Gemba, Chihoshi de Yomu, which basically means the local air, local localities of Japan reading the local newspaper, which was published in 2010. I did not know about this before I started my work, but um, when I was doing my work, I realized that there was two Japanese scholars who had put together a very, very lengthy book on this. Um, I have another one which was published, let me just turn to the last page to confirm, 2015, Chihoshiwa Zukuri. Jumin no Tame Journalism, which basically is the local newspaper as regional making journalism for residents, which is written by a, a, a man by the name of Umemoto, who is very, very famous um, media critic in Japan. So it's not like the Japanese didn't realize that this was going on. I think it's just or, or, uh, not going on. It's not like the Japanese didn't know that there was this rich resource out there. Um, they knew. I think they're very appreciative of it. Of it. I just think it's the, the foreign researchers um, never really looked at it and never really published anything in English on it. Now, you take us in this first chapter of this book, um, and we, you know, we won't be able to talk about all the chapters, no, no. but um, at, in this first chapter, and also um, we revisit this at the end of the book, you take us into um, uh, examples of some local newspapers. And one of the notable ones that, again, recurs at the end of the book is the leading newspaper in the prefecture that you were just talking about, right? Aomori yep. Prefecture. Yep, um, that's correct. This is a prefecture in the northernmost, this is the north, the northernmost or the northwesternmost prefecture? Northernmost. Northern so it actually, most. yeah, it has mm-hmm. coasts on both sides, actually. Very oh. unique in Japan. Cool. So it's the northernmost prefecture of Honshu. It's very rural. Um, you mentioned here it's very impoverished. Um, mm. And you take us into some of the key um, features or characteristics of this local newspaper that we might want to pay attention to, right? Um, mm. It carries local advertising. This newspaper sponsors local events. It arranges travel packages. So I just wanted to mark, um, when we're talking about local newspapers here, we are not just talking about um, a set of pieces of paper that people are picking up and leafing through. Um, there are really interesting aspects of the formatting, um, what's carried, and also these are organizations that have a real impact and significance in the local communities that they're part of. Um, so did you want to talk a little bit about that um, and maybe using the particular case of the Almori Prefecture newspaper that you talk about here? Well, that's a very interesting observation. And to tell you the truth, I really, in putting it together, I guess I didn't realize that I had sort of made that argument. Um, it's interesting in that uh, previously in the interview, just a few minutes ago, I was talking about how the big five uh, newspapers are actually uh, parts of major sort of industrial and business conglomerates. Um, thinking about it in the terms that you said, and as I wrote in the book, the local newspapers do actually have sort of a, a local 
I don't want to say industrial complex. I guess the word I would use would be a cultural complex uh, around them. As you say, they do support local events. Um, most of the uh, local newspaper companies um, actually have publishing houses, so they publish books on local cultural aspects, festivals. Um, the the uh, Toe Nippo actually... I have several of their books because I do like sort of walking around the mountains in the area and looking at uh, the flora. Um, and uh, they, they have several books that they published on, you know, the local trees and local grasses and local this and local that. Um, and that's something that probably would not happen were it not for these sort of local cultural publishing entities or cultural entities that are behind the newspapers. Um, the readership is tremendously high. Um, I have that data actually in a, in a, in a chapter later on, but um, I would say that, you know, in Al Morty, I'll look here, probably 80% of the people um, have home delivery of one of the two prefectural newspapers. Um, so it is very much a, a powerful uh, uh, entity. Um, everyone can identify with the local newspaper. Um, it really is something. And one of the other things I would like to do more with um, is some of the histories of these newspapers. Um, some of them, of course, predate the Second World War. They originated um, locally. But of course, with the war and then when the, the uh, GHQ, the um, American occupation took place, um, the uh, American uh, Constitution uh, really uh, clamped down and censored a lot of these newspapers. And some of the newspapers went bankrupt. They disappeared. Some of them were survived. Some were revived. There's a tremendous amount of sort of business history. That's a, another area I'm very interested in. Um, my local newspaper actually has um, every Saturday, it's a running column in Japanese. It's called a lensai a running column of uh, the history of local businesses. I think they're up to like 250 now within the prefecture. And it's really fascinating to read about a business that you you know in your community and here's this, this one-page history of it. Um, so they're really, really a tremendous reservoir of information on anything. Um, and that, <clears throat> excuse me, that is, of course, what led me to the uh, subtitle, which is the revitalization journalism, they really do a lot, um, in my view, and this is the argument I make, to contribute to the revitalization of the local economy. Mm -hmm. And this is actually something um, that comes up as a focus at the end of the book, right? Chapter 6 really goes into this and kind of looks at um, not just the present, but also the future of local newspapers in Japan in a journalistic approach that you call, as you just mentioned, revitalization journalism. Mm. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go for it. Well, I was just going to say, um, if if you look at the book in terms of what it says about uh, Japanese journalism, I hope that it does make a contribution. Mm-hmm. If you look at the book um, about uh, what Japanese journalism means to the community, I hope it makes a, a, a contribution. But I also hope, well, I guess there's number three and number four. Number three is I hope that it... Um, inspires researchers, Japanologists, um, 
uh, as well as uh, anyone else who's doing area studies, to use that local media. Uh, in Japan now, we've seen the emergence of what are called town magazines. So the municipal government will create a magazine, and it's an, an incredible resource to know what's going on in that community. I hope that researchers will use that. But there's another argument which I hope maybe I can follow up on, and that is, as you say, the future um, of a local newspaper, I hope, is possibly somewhat indicative of the future of a lot of things, the future of, I don't want to be hyperbolic here and say civilization, but um, to say that, yeah, um, I, I, I truly believe, particularly in the case of Japan, this is based on some other research that I've done, that Japan's future will really um, sort of return to reside in areas outside of Tokyo and Osaka and Nagoya. Um, it's going to be the local areas where the economy is somehow going to be revived, and that's where people are eventually going to come to, to find uh, the steady, stable livelihoods. I know that you did a uh, podcast about uh, Anne Allison's Precarious Japan book. Um, and, uh, of course, Japan is precarious in Tokyo, um, but it's not so precarious out here in Aomori. I mean, of course, there's economic difficulties and there's unemployment and there's uh, a lack of hope in certain areas. Of course, post-disaster, there's always a lack of hope. But um, rural areas sort of have that stable base. So I, I hope that this will bring us to look again at rural areas. I hope that I hope that sort of was related to the the topic or the question absolutely. that you brought up. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And let's actually kind of keep going with this. Um, so mm. it is. We do have chapters that mm. I'll just briefly touch on that we won't have time to talk yeah. about. Um, That's in, fine. In any detail, right? The chapter mm. two gives us a brief history of Japanese newspapers, including mm. attention to local newspapers, and takes us yes. through an accounting of successive eras of newspapers in Japan, and also looks um, in particular at trends in the newspaper industry over the last 20 to 30 years. And so listeners with a particular interest in that definitely check out chapter two. And then we come back in chapter three um, to sort of the, the functions of Japanese newspapers and also the practices of Japanese journalists. And I bring us here because it touches on something I think that we've been talking about just now. Now, you talk about um, uh, here, well, well, let's actually take us to Japanese journalism. One of the things that this chapter does really interestingly is it asks, what are the particular characters, what are the particular features of journalism and of newspapers and of journalistic values in Japan that are specific to Japan, right? Sort of what, what characterizes um, journalism in Japan that would make it perhaps different or um, particular in comparison to what's happening elsewhere. Um, so you, you talk in particular about some of the most important influences on Japanese journalism today and also some of the paradigms of Japanese journalism. And one of the paradigms of gen, Jap, Japanese journalism um, that you identify as we kind of move forward is a new focus on a, a more civic-oriented or a more public-oriented focus for journalism in Japan. 
Now, this seems particularly germane to what you were just talking about in terms of their, your idea of revitalization journalism. So I wonder if, um, you know, thinking about this context of the work that the book is doing, if you wanted to add anything else about this um, uh, about this particular paradigm as we move forward to a more civic-oriented or public-oriented mode of journalistic practice. Well, let me first of all say I'm not a journalist. Uh, I'm, I'm neither a journalist nor a journalism major. Um, I sort of sort of parachuted into Japan and picked up some themes. So I hope that I don't sort of miss the, the most important points here in, in, in what I'm going to say. Um, perhaps... Uh, it's going to be interesting because as I do say uh, revitalization journalism, and the reason I sort of coined that um, was because, of course, there are so many, many different journalisms, fashion journalism, sports journalism. Um, of course, uh, one of them that I highlight in the book is public journalism. And, of course, public journalism, it's, it, it's a very nice-sounding name, but what does it really mean? Um, and you sort of offered the term civic journalism, and that's another one. What does it really mean? Um, and what sort of is its outcome? Um, it, it sounds nice. And it sounds very valuable, and I believe it is if we really took the time to dig down and, and list up some characteristics. Um, this is where maybe it gets a little bit controversial, because if I push past that and go to revitalization journalism, I perhaps could be accused of saying that the, un- the, the, the function of the newspaper is to essentially sell goods in its own community. I mean, it's, it's basically a catalog, if you will. It's got an economic end game. And that's not what I'm trying to say. Um, what I'm trying yeah, to say. That doesn't, yeah, yeah it definitely the, the chapter doesn't give that impression. Yeah. So I do just want to sort of caution that that's not where I'm going with this. Um, I'm merely trying to say that the newspaper um, and, and I have to I have to say that others have referred to the fact that Japanese newspapers characteristically are very um, educational. So one of the things when I say revitalization journalism is and if you look um, later on in the book, when I, when I uh, list up some of the, the uh, column, the series of columns um, that I use to make this argument, um, they are less, in a sense, sales-oriented, if you will, than they are educating people about you know, economic processes, mechanisms, uh, cause and effect of economies, what makes a good local economy. Um, so in that sense, they're very, very educational. I learned quite a bit about what constitutes a local economy simply by reading my local newspaper. It probably did better than I could have um, done with a, a Japanese textbook um, because, of course, it was written in a way that makes it accessible. So as we sort of go from as I said earlier on, this meta notion of Asian journalism as, you know, fostering social harmony to actually what that means at a local level in terms of public journalism, listening to the citizens, um, choosing frames that stimulate citizen discussion, um, civic journalism, which might be more informing citizens about what their municipality is doing and what the municipality has to offer, to actually educating them so that they will be making informed decisions 
things, whether that's through voting, whether that's through uh, their uh, purchases, whether that's through trying to raise voice um, in protest, if you will, or something like that. So they're really, really informed about what a local economy is and how a local economy operates. Um, that's sort of what I'm trying to get at with my terminology of revitalization journalism. Great. Now, you mentioned, and you've mentioned um, a couple times at least, uh, reading through your own local newspaper, but you talk also in this book about um, other aspects of the research that you brought to bear. Now, part of the research for the book involved sending surveys to about 180 local newspapers all over Japan. Mm. This is really interesting from a, the perspective of a kind of research methodology. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. What was the nature of these surveys? How did it shape um, the work that you're doing in the book? And was there anything that was really kind of fundamental or surprising or transformative about what you learned from these surveys or about the process? Well, um, I, I kind of had forgotten about that, so I'm, I'm quickly scanning those pages now, which is, I think, what probably a lot of people do. Um, one of the things that, that came out of that, of course, um, there was uh, sort of traditional data um, about how people perhaps view media in Japan, um, the relative uh, trustworthiness of the newspaper versus, uh, say, for example, television news, um, satisfaction and things like that. Um, a lot of that was uh, that research, that data would have been based on um, reader uh, responses. What I was trying to get at is to look at what the newspapers themselves see as their uh, mission statement, uh, their function. What do they accomplish? Um, and um, I, I guess I don't really want to say there were any uh, surprises. Um, of course, it's sort of what you expect. Um, news accuracy, discussion of local issues. Uh, timeliness was an issue, which usually you don't think of in terms of uh, newspapers. But I suppose that reflects the fact that I would say that certainly 100% of the prefectural-level newspapers have a website, um, sub Prefectural, so like in my case, we have um, two uh, newspapers, one on the west side of the prefecture, one on the east side of the prefecture. Both of those newspapers have websites. Um, the content that is carried is usually a little bit different, but certainly that uh, timing aspect, that is a, a very new thing for newspapers, um, presenting residents' opinions. Um, so in this sense, um, it seems that the local newspapers are very aware of their function vis-a-vis -vis the national newspapers. I don't think the, the Yomiuri newspaper, the national Japanese newspaper, really believes that they need to present readers' opinions. I don't think that's part of their mission statement. Um, whereas a local newspaper, is, they're actually very aware that that's an important part of uh, what they need to do. Um, the responses regarding how well they do that um, were interesting in that they seem to be aware of uh, what they feel they should be doing. I mean, they've identified um, their function. They're a little bit more self-critical in terms of um, how well they're doing that. Um, 
that constitutes a whole new research project because I did interview some local people, um, but that certainly is not a representative uh, sample. The question there, and anyone who has studied anything about Japan will understand immediately when I say um, Japanese are very hesitant to blow their horn, if that's the right expression. They're very hesitant to say, yeah, we really did a good job on this one. So the degree to which that sort of self Facing, um, I wonder what they really think. Um, I believe that Japanese newspapers probably believe they do a very good job. Um, most of the feedback that I get from people are that they're very, very happy with their local newspaper and very uh, the 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 uh, opinion is very. Uh, what do you say? Uh, very uh, on both ends of the spectrum um, regarding the the national newspapers. So I believe the newspapers are doing a good job. I just don't think they're sort of letting on to it. Mm-hmm. That, that's probably the data I got from, from that survey. So also in terms of the methodology and also um, in line with something that you mentioned here, just super briefly because it's interesting from the perspective of kind of historical practice or sociological practice, you also talk about having paged through a week's worth of 12 different local newspapers, hmm. 12 different parts of Japan. And I wonder if there were any important ways in which that experience uh, shaped what's happening in the book. Well, yeah, um, it, it it was interesting because I've still got those newspapers sitting on a bottom shelf over there, and I do sometimes sort of pull them out. It's interesting because you could lay them out across a big table, and you could sort of, as a group perhaps, page through them, page by page. And what you might find is that the layout, uh, the sectioning, uh, the, the, the front page, then the local news, then international news, then economic news, then sort of the culture page, then sports, then three pages of local news usually split up into the northern area, the southern area, the eastern and western kind of subcategorized. Then you get to sort of the the police sheet. Uh, Then maybe you get television on the back. They're all laid out virtually identically. But as you page through them and you get to the different sections, um, each newspaper is so telling in terms of its local story, um, local stories, I should say, and local issues and local controversies. Um, I, of course, uh, from my little perch up here in northern Japan, I do try to keep up with what's going on uh, across Japan. But uh, in the book I talk about, I was reading um, the the Jomo newspaper, which is Ibaragi-ken, I believe. I've forgotten now. But uh, little did I know that um, they were having uh, a big controversy about funding for their local airport. So if you think that every state has one airport, um, of course, uh, these airports are underutilized, so they're often, uh, the budget shortfalls are covered by the national government, which is, of course, very controversial. Well, I knew that about my local uh, airport, and I sort of knew that that was an issue up there, sort of, you know, on the national level, but I really hadn't read any other stories uh, from the local newspapers. So if I were to actually look at the issue of local controversy, local airport controversy, I could go into databases from all the local newspapers. I could find out each case. Um, so I, I guess that was such an interesting thing for me that every local newspaper you know, from the surface looks the same. But once you open it up and once you start looking, you find out 
all of these local issues and how these local issues are handled um, and how national issues are handled at the local level. As I was talking about before, TPP, the way that Aomori Prefecture is responding to TPP versus, say, a prefecture down in Kyushu um, or Shikoku uh, might be totally different. And you could only discover that by opening up that newspaper. You probably know where that information is going to be. But there you would find it. And that's what I really found looking through those newspapers. I would be very happy if I you know, could afford it and had the time to read half a dozen newspapers from throughout Japan, north, south, um, east, west, the different areas. It would really please me um, if I could do that. It would really give me a, a better view of what's happening in Japan. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much. So we could easily talk another hour about the rest of what's going on in the chapters of the book. And I'll just kind of um, touch on some highlights before we turn briefly to the second book that we're okay. um, talking about before we wrap up today. Um, okay. So just for listeners um, to, to give them a sense of what's going on uh, in the other chapters of this book, Japan's local newspapers, um, that there are chapters here that talk about um, the sort of particularities of local Japanese newspapers, some of the major differences between urban and rural papers in in terms of the specificities of layout and format even, and also in terms of content. Um, You talk about issues of consumption, right? Who is doing the reading of these newspapers? What are they reading? What are some of the major differences between national and local scales? What are some of the production issues that go into local newspapers? What are some of the contradictions in the practices of journalism and newspaper making um, in Japan today. And of course, there's an entire chapter that looks, as we've mentioned already, at the futures of or the possible futures of Japanese local newspapers that focuses in particular on this idea of revitalization journalism that we've already talked about. But of course, there's a second book that we're here to talk about. So let's not completely leave that aside. <laughs> I so, appreciate that. <laughs> so this one, um, as I mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation, is Japanese journalism and the Japanese newspaper, a supplemental reader. And this came out in 2014. So can you talk for us, um, Anthony, about your vision for this project? How did it start and what was the genesis of this particular project? Well, I was getting some feedback, um, of course, prior to uh, publishing the Japan's local newspapers book, I had uh, published some papers and journals and whatnot about different themes. And I was getting some positive feedback. um, But I was a little bit worried that maybe I was the only one who saw the world this way and thought about it this way. So I put out a call for papers, um, basically saying, if you've done any research on Japanese journalism, or if you have used Japanese newspapers or any, you know, forms of journalism as a major part of your research in some other area, you know, I would like you to to sort of rewrite your chapter um, in such a way as to inform people about the importance of uh, newspapers and journalism as a research source, as a research methodology, um, and we'll put that together. And uh, fortuitously, it turned out that we covered a, a wide range of, of uh, issues. Um, but that was why I put it together, was just to sort of confirm that there were other people that were doing this and give us voice, if you will. Great. And what are you hoping that the major contributions of this volume are going to be? Like, what kind of readership here are you aiming for? And in in your ideal world, what will those readers be doing to take the work in this volume and to push it forward and do things with it? 
Well, again, I might be very greedy in this. Um, I'm hoping that people who do Japanese studies will look at it. Um, we've got a, a number of themes which we might go through if we have time. Um, uh, historical, contemporary, dealing with the, uh, the Tohoku earthquake. Um, but as well uh, as the themes, we've got people using media, uh, print media, in different ways, evaluating it in different ways. Um, that's the argument that I would hope maybe goes beyond the Japanologists, the people who study Japan, and the people maybe who are doing area studies. Even people who look at journalism uh, as a research area and say, well, this is how this product uh, sort of moves through society, the research community. Um, perhaps uh, even looking at it um, from a journalism studies standpoint and saying, this is the kind of reporting, this is what's happening in uh, the Japanese journalism. Um, Japan is one of the biggest media markets and probably the biggest print media market in the world. Um, it, I, I would hope that anyone who studies journalism would be aware that there's this island over here that uh, has all these newspapers and uh, this is what people see in, in these newspapers and this is how people use it. Um, so I, I, that is a bit greedy, but I'm hoping it sort of covers the range from Japanese specialists to people who are interested in area studies and journalism. I think we're allowed to be a bit greedy. I think it's okay. <laughs> I think we're allowed to do that. I feel reassured. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> I, think I, I, I approve. Um, I condone that. So in addition to editing um, the volume and putting this together, you also contributed a piece on local newspapers and the post-2011 earthquake and tsunami reconstruction in Iwate Prefecture um, specifically. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? For you, what's most important for us to understand about um, kind of the contributions that that piece is making to the overall goals of the volume? And, and can you talk about what you think is most important about that piece? Yeah, I, I was very happy that we had four chapters, um, one looking at media government, one looking at local press and the discourses of national sacrifice, which was a really big thing after the, the earthquake. Um, another guy looking at several different newspapers. But for me, um, one of the things, Aomori was affected, but not that uh, badly. Um, but I did notice um, that Right after the earthquake, they started running these these columns, these series. And as I read the series, they were both educational. But in addition, I really got the sense that, you know, the journalism is the first draft of history kind of idea, that they were starting to create the story. Uh, they were starting to define what the eventual story of this earthquake would be. And, of course, post-earthquake, uh, you know, the recovery and, you know, different actors, uh, their involvement and different viewpoints. So I looked at it and I said, this is, and I, the, the terminology I used, is memory creation. <laughs> and having started that, then I actually was looking at, you know, other, the literature in this field. And there is actually quite a, a tremendous volume uh, of work in terms of sort of memory creation. Very little of it, however, having to do with uh, newspapers. Um, most of it is more long-term, um, say, for example, education and things like that. Um, so I'm very interested um, in this aspect. Uh, another aspect of this is, uh, as part of this work, 
um, I was looking at online other newspapers' treatment of the earthquake, uh, post-earthquake, of course. And what you often found was that newspapers would carry coverage, um, whether it would be news articles or it would be some sort of a, a series, like a column that appears every day or something like that. They would cover it for two or three weeks, and then it would drop off the radar. But my local newspaper, it, we were six months, eight months, one year, 16 months after the earthquake, and they were still carrying these lensai in Japanese, these continuous columns. So I really got a sense that um, for Japan, it seems that these local newspapers are very much a source of memory creation, um, not just in that first instant, that first article, but they really carry on through time. And that was a, a very important aspect of it for me. That's right. And I said Iwate Prefecture. I think I just wanted to say that word. Um, that was actually <laughs> another one. Um, the memory create the piece on memory creation, you're actually looking at lots of prefectures, right? Um, and so the newspapers that are the focus here are from Fukushima, they're from Miyagi, they're from Aomori, and we've already you know, talked a little bit about that. So there's yeah. really, really interesting stuff um, in this volume and in that piece in particular. And for listeners who are particularly interested in this, um, this is the the piece that we've just been talking about is from news to memory creation, regional newspaper coverage of the Great East Japan disaster, um, 2011. And this is chapter 11 of the piece. And so you can take a look at that. But as um, you've just said, Anthony, there are several pieces in this collection that do look at um, sort of 2011 and what's happening um, in the sort of reconstruction and in the aftermath of that in terms of journalistic sources. Hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so we are now um, sort of nearing the conclusion hmm. of our conversation. There's, of course, a lot more that we could talk about. And what I'll um, kind of do is just just um, ask you before we move to our conclusion. Um, I, You know, I don't like to put editors on the spot to talk about particular pieces, right, that they didn't hmm. author in an edited volume. And so I'm not going to do that here. But I will ask, um, since, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about this supplemental reader, is mm. there anything else in particular about the reader, about any of the um, collected pieces, about the overall work and arc um, of the piece that you'd like to mention for listeners um, who haven't yet um, been able to become readers of that piece, um, just to kind of give them a sense of anything else that you feel is really important about that volume that we didn't get to. Well, one of the uh, uh, th things, of course, about the newspaper, when I say using the newspaper for research is important, um, you know, we've got a, a, a chapter um, about uh, how newspapers treat uh, the ambiguity of the Second World War in contemporary times. We've got a newspaper about how... Uh, a, a chapter about how the newspapers are influencing policy, Japanese policy towards North Korea. So we've got uh, chapters that point to very specific and very uh, constrained, I don't, I don't say that in a negative sense, but very focused research. But we also then have chapters, so for example, um, rebalancing Japanese newspaper coverage, which is a fantastic uh, uh, chapter, which says quite a bit about newspapers, but it also 
is a perfect encapsulation of the regional dynamics in Japan. You have East Japan versus West Japan. East Japan so focused on Tokyo. West Japan focused on Osaka. And I had never come across the term Osaka journalism before. But here it is. This, the, the, the woman on Osachio Kanzaki is from Osaka. And she writes this chapter that beautifully illustrates this notion that you cannot think of Japan as one sort of homogenous country, all you know, white or all black or all red or all. It's nothing like that. Um, and there's this tremendous tension um, in journalism from the east side, the Tokyo centric versus the west side, Osaka. And she talks, she does a whole historical trend and where we are in present day. So, again, this just reinforces the idea that using journalism really gives us not just a window on a specific issue or a specific event, but it really, if you use it wisely and you look at the sort of the local cases, it really gives you a window on the dynamics at the nation state level. Um, so that, that's, that, that really comes out, I think, in both the books. But I just want to make note of the fact that, you know, those sorts of ideas do also come out in the supplemental reader as well. That's right. And in that piece in particular um, that you just mentioned, um, one of the really interesting things that's happening that's also characteristic of the reader and also the, the book that we talked about first is an attentiveness to the tension, but also the relationship between print and digital media um, and yes I, that seems to be right a, a really important um, a really important theme throughout this and I think something that's uh, really important that readers or listeners who become readers will find um, that's I think potentially relevant to lots and lots of us who are trying to think across print and digital media right now and figure out what the consequences of this tension and this relationship um, are as we move forward and one of the big things I think that will will sort of uh, determine the future of local journalism is how well they do uh, adapt to the the digital formats. Um, I look at the the homepage, of course, of my local newspaper, and it is a mess. It is chaos, and it's very difficult to use. I'm not that good at digital things, but um, I am good enough to know that. Um, so looking forward, that's one of the areas that if if you know someone is interested in you know journal journalism in Asia, that would probably be a, a wonderful PhD topic. How are these local um, journalists, uh, journal uh, media uh, enterprises um, digitalizing and preparing for that because they don't have the budget, they don't have the, the manpower. Um, they just, this is going to be the test for them. It'd be a very interesting case going forward. Mm-hmm. And so, Anthony, is there anything mm. else sort of more broadly um, as we come to our conclusion that we didn't have a chance to talk about, um, you know, pertaining to this larger theme of Japanese journalism, of local journalism in particular, or really of any of the books that you'd like to mention for listeners, and again, perhaps especially for listeners who haven't become readers. Well, of course, I would like people to, to access the books. Um, I, I hope that they have something for a wide range of readers and they have something of value um, for any specific questions that one might have. Um, 
I hope they will stand the test of time and people will sort of follow up um, whether it's, you know, journalism per se or whether it's using journalism. Um, perhaps um, I'm, I'm sort of avoiding your question or I'm building on your question. That's okay. um, That's sort of my final uh, pitch will be um, I hope that um, social scientists will sort of revisit um, sort of the rural places, the places we've sort of overlooked. Um, I think there's a lot there. Um, and I think we tend to sort of delegitimize a lot of it because, oh, that's what happens out there. But, um, you know, as things sort of come and go in the big circle, um, I think we're going to wind up coming back to rural places and we're going to realize that they are important and they are meaningful, whether, whether as reservoirs of something or as places we want to strive to get to. Um, so I, I hope that maybe building on the local journalism argument is the argument of revisiting local places and recognizing their value. Awesome. So, so now that the books are out, what's, what's next for you? What are you currently, yeah, what's currently inspiring you? What's, what's, what's now and what's next? Well, as I said, I sort of have a dual life. Um, during the day, I'm an English teacher um, in a faculty of education, so I do a lot of teacher training. Um, then on weekends, I do my sociology. Um, right now, I'm focusing on issues, uh, themes that are related to communication, particularly in um, foreign language. Um, Japan is... Um, initiating a global Jinzai project, which will be a global personnel project. They want to remain competitive. So they're sort of reorganizing the entire English education curriculum in Japan. As I'm in a faculty of education, um, I'm a part of that. My view on it is uh, communicative competence. So I'm trying to work out the patterns of Japanese communication and see how those can contribute to better communication in English and then set up some sort of a curriculum. So it, it's really not, well, it's sociological in the sense that it's uh, uh, community studies or communication studies, but um, it's very focused on uh, the English language teaching world uh, at this point. But, but bah, I, I, I hope that it will be of interest and value going forward. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for taking mm. time away from that. Um, and that, thanks for talking with me today about these books. It's really been a pleasure and congratulations on both of them. Well, thank you. And thank you for uh, uh, walking me through this so effectively. I appreciate your, <laughs> your competence in that area. So thank you. You've been listening to the New Books in East Asian Studies podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>